that was my main tactic. I would stand there and I would like make eye contact with people, wave at people. If they got close enough, I would scream my business pitch at them as fast as I could. I mean, not literally, of course, but I would try to get them interested. Throughout homework, worksheets, omnis buildings, hall passes, herds of students, grades, all of it, what would you build? If you start with the amazing thing that is a young person, how would you honor all of their strengths and abilities? How would you remember that this is about them? If Dewey was right, and education is not preparation for life, education is life itself. We need to do more than rebuild schooling. We need to rethink living. Welcome to the Education is Life podcast, where we are having honest discussions on the state of education, where it is, where it can be, and all of the stories in between. Welcome back to Education is Life. Rob Hughie here. Today, we are embarking upon kids and entrepreneurship. It's an important part of Greenfields and what we do. And the entrepreneurial mindset is one that, in my opinion, goes way beyond what just starting a business is. Finding out what a problem in, the, in your community is, finding a solution for it, getting other people who want that solution to be willing to, to give you money and being able to uh, support yourself, uh, as well as being able to treat people with kindness, understanding people's wants. Um, managing people, uh, figuring out scope, figuring out prices, finances, all kinds of things that go well beyond just uh, starting a small business, uh, regardless of what you get into. And we've been doing the Chicago Children's Business Fair for uh, seven years now in Chicago. We started out with just a, just a Greenfield and we've grown every year to the point we started bringing in outside vendors. This year, we're really excited to be taking it online. But I figured instead of me telling you what a great opportunity we make for young people to get out there and see what they can do in the realm of entrepreneurship, I would bring on one of our founding Griffins, Aviva. She's been with Greenfield since day one. Uh, welcome, Aviva. Yeah, hi. So, Aviva, how many businesses have you done now? Do you remember? Yes. I've done six years of business fair, but I believe for two of them, I was doing the same business. So, I would say five and a half businesses. Does that make <laughs> sense? I'm not sure. And so, think all the way back to, to your youth. I'm still in my youth, I hope. <laughs> <laughs> what, was the, what was the first business that you put together? It was called Miss Ornament. Not ornament, as in the thing you put on your tree, but yes, it was the thing you put on your tree, but spelled as in mint, like the plant or the thing you put in your mouth after a dinner that made your mouth smelly. I, I bought ornaments from the store that were glass and round. And I put crayons inside and melted the wax so it made swirling colors inside. And with every purchase, you got a mint. Miss Ornament, a mint with every purchase. I think it was more to satisfy my desire for mints, sneaking them behind the business fair table. <laughs> but it was, a, it was a fun business. And uh, how old were you? Seven. Seven? That's amazing. What, what, do you, what, do you re, what do you remember most about the eShip experience? eShip is the project name that we have, just a short for entrepreneurship and highlights uh, what, it, what sometimes we've used as a game piece in the shape of a ship that you kind of moved around from what we called islands. And those where you learn different pieces about business. Well, I think it was just getting introduced to the islands. I still have that original laminated ship with all of my stickers on it, actually. And every e-ship on the first day, I believe I wear it as like a pin or I stick it on my sash or something at exhibition. I think the thing that I remember most is just getting introduced to the islands, getting introduced to the idea of making the business. 
and most importantly, getting introduced to the amazing wonders of spreadsheets, which I have known and loved ever since. I am crazy for them. And basically every business fair since then, I have tried to take the fast track through the islands and just make a spreadsheet ahead of time. Can you let our listeners know kind of what the islands are? Like what, what's, what is an island? What do you do? So like you said, Rob, the premise is that you have a ship that is your entrepreneurship and you take it across the different islands and the different islands help you learn about different aspects of creating and maintaining and using a business. One of the islands, for example, maybe the first one it is, um, Marketing Island. Isn't it the one with the carrot as a little icon? It's been a while since I had to make those. Mm. Well, you've been here as long as I have. So <laughs> it's basically a worksheet or a form with a bunch of different challenges on it. And it used to be that depending on how well or how thoroughly you did them, you would get different levels and that would determine how, like what level you completed the project at. So sometimes there's video games you have to play for it, like um, Lemonade Stand, where it's like a mock Lemonade Stand game, or answering questions about what different aspects of business mean to you, or doing a multiple choice quiz. At Greenfields, we don't really have quizzes, but this is one of the exceptions. Yeah, so it's a bit of a survey to make sure you understand. Did you generally just do level one or did you try to get all the way through level threes? I think when I was starting at my first business, Miss Own Mint, I really wanted threes, but at that point, it was a little bit too challenging for me. So I almost always got ones or twos, except for the ones that I really excelled in. Yeah, so that's one of the ways that the project's designed, right? In a multi-age environment like what we have, uh, you want something that is accessible to every age and challenging to each age group at the same time. And so the three levels uh, make that happen. So an example of like a level one for market research, right? Because everyone has to make sure that people will buy and are interested in their product might be... Uh, go and ask five people uh, if they'd be interested in, in your product and give it feedback. Uh, deeper would be price points, greater number of people, uh, variabilities, uh, discounts, and doing a, a much deeper market research piece. So to be able to do it seven and then keep doing it through uh, pretty much all, all the way through middle school. Um, but uh, that first year was hard to get those threes, huh? Uh, yeah. Um, I don't think I had the best mindset as a seven-year-old. I expected myself to be pretty good at things when I started them, even though obviously I wasn't going to be the best at anything if I just, you know, didn't try it at all. So I think I, maybe I just got put off by the fact that they would be challenging, but later on, I, I'd say grown out of that mostly and I'm attempting bigger things. And again, if you're going to do market research, spreadsheets, <laughs> Google now, Forms. Now, one of the great things about being able to be a guide over multiple years with the Griffins is I can definitely remember you at seven and to see where you are now and like how much growth has happened, uh, you know, physically, obviously, but just also in that mindset. You had a very fixed mindset when you first started. and uh, wanted to be and expected yourself to be like perfect at everything out of the chute. And uh, to kind of watch that kind of wear away over time has been a really, really fun to see. Um, 
So now what, you can so embarrass the, me. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, the first year ornament, this ornament. Um, what other businesses have you done? Yeah. Um, the next year, I did a. Um, I did um, very cute. I was very into the idea that um, I was really into magic at that age. I think it was like eight or nine and I had cute hair and it was springy and it definitely went along with the theme. And I really worked hard on my presentation for that one. And I, yeah, so I made some fairies out of basic materials. I had watched this thing earlier where you can make them out of pipe cleaners and a wooden, I don't know, what do you call it? A wooden bead, maybe? But a large wooden bead, and that was the head, and I drew little faces on them and put hair on them out of embroidery thread, and it was a very fun project. And I think I still have one of those fairies around here somewhere. Maybe. Um, my dad still has the math fairy, Hexagonia Pie. Um, sitting in his office, and yes, it makes me embarrassed because I can do so much better now. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so that was the fairies, and then year three. What did I do year three? I know what I did year four because I was very upset with myself. Uh-oh, what was year four? Ooh, year four was when I decided to do custom things, and custom things, they suck. Um, <laughs> do not do custom unless you are prepared to cater to everybody's whims for three months after the fact. So what did you do that was custom? Um, I'm pretty sure year four, yeah, year four it was. I did custom portraits, and thank God that I said that I was going to use the light box, because if I was not using the light box, I, I was not very good at realistic drawing at that point. I mean, I've gotten better now, but still, I don't think I would have been able to do any of that without the light box. And it was called Out of the Box, um, as I'm thinking outside of the box. And there were two options. You could either have a cartoon portrait or a realistic portrait. And big surprise, I thought everybody was going to say cartoon, which was really easy for me. And I offered an option where you could choose to do it realistically. Oh, my God. So many long nights. Um, so I probably spent an hour to two hours every night drawing when I could be doing other schoolwork no. and getting ahead and things like that um, until right before my birthday, which is late February. So that was extremely stressful. And another thing, do not expect people to send their pictures or photos or anything to you. If you can have it ready at the business fair, ready to go, because they will not follow through. I would say about 15% of the people that sign up, they will not follow through. You will have to email about 20% of them over and over again. About 25% of them will not be super responsive. So just be prepared for that. Yes, yeah. it sounds like a few things on custom, right? Be prepared to put in the time and don't offer up to do something custom that you can't do really well. I would say guidelines for making businesses. You should do something that appeals to every gender. You should do something that appeals to any age. I would say like if you're offering something that some people can't eat because of an allergy, then that wouldn't be good. If you're offering something that has a lot of pink and sparkles on it, sure, there's a lot of people who are different genders 
that like pink and sparkles, but I'm sure that you're going to attract a lot more female people or people who identify as female by putting pink and sparkles on your stuff. So make something, also make something that's useful and that you can produce in massive amounts if need be. So again, that's why custom isn't good. You can have customization options, for example, like having your stuff printed on a fancier paper or getting extra things or a deal, but do not do custom, please, unless you're prepared to accept that responsibility. You probably want to make sure you're charging for it, right? Yeah. Oftentimes my products are the most expensive at business fair, (laughs) but it's so worth it to see that over 90% on your gross margin on your beautiful spreadsheet. (laughs) Uh, So uh, gross margin, when did you, when did you learn about gross margin? First year. Year one, seven years old, figuring out. Oh yeah. That was so fun. Do you remember what your gross margin was? Year one? I could probably go find the spreadsheet, but (laughs) I'm not on the right computer for that. You know, you've done all these different businesses. Which one were you most proud of? I would definitely say the calendar business. That was the one that I did for two years. And I would say that coloring calendars was probably the most successful one too. Oh, I know what I did year three. Ollivander's Jr., the wand business. Ah, yes, 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 yes. I was still so into wands and fairies and stuff. Again, I'm really embarrassing myself here. (laughs) Well, those are amazing wands, though. Those are handmade wooden wands that you put different types of stone into, right? Uh, Yeah. Yeah, those are cool. Yeah, and you you charge some pretty good money for that, too. Yeah, the smallest wands, which were literally just like a varnished stick that I carved and spent some good time carving, too. Um, were, what was it? Six dollars, six fifty, And I had different types of wood. Yeah, Ollivander's Jr. was fun. But another thing, make sure that you have everything planned out in advance because I didn't know that I would need tags to show the different kinds of wands. So I was scrambling in the end to go on Google Draw or on Word documents with my mom and make a bunch of tags. Yeah, so yeah. It's, not, it's not just about the product, right? It's about the, the whole kind of booth and what it looks like and your signage. And I remember one year you had like, you tried to make this, Big arch. That was two years in a row, actually. <laughs> was it? <laughs> um, I did it for out of the box or outside the box. I can't remember what I called it now. In any case, it was a very tall poster board arch that I covered in sheets of paper. So it looked like it was like raining down. And that took a while and it was very hard to transport, but it was so worth it in the end. And it definitely added to the aesthetic. And then the next year, I wanted to make a floating cloud arch. I have always prided myself on presentation. And man, that was a struggle. (laughs) I remember I was like trying desperately to get it to stick to the edges of the table. And I weren't we in a new venue. We, We were in a new venue that year. So I didn't even know what my table would look like. So I made the coat hanger wire arch as big as possible so I could stick it over the table and then it didn't fit and then I couldn't affix it. So I was forced to prop it up with um, some of the other things which kept on falling over. So that was not very good, but it definitely looks good in the pictures, I'd say. Do you think that helped draw people over to your booth? No, because I sold nothing at that business fair. Everything is from pre-orders. Ship it out to your family and friends and they will definitely be more interested in buying because they have more time to consider it than anybody else at the business fair. I would say that most of my revenue came from pre-orders that year and actually every year. So every year I have sent out an email message 
to family and friends, notifying them of the details and whereabouts of the business fair. This year, it's going to be pretty weird because of the online format and anybody else that you know, or if you're into social media, do networking for that. I don't really have any platforms of my own, but again, be prepared for what that means because if you have a friend who has a crazy thing on Instagram or whatever platform you end up using and you post whatever products you have, be prepared for people to come rushing to you and you will have to do that work. Find your limits before that. I was Thomas needed to use my computer today. He's ran out of battery to get on a uh, call and they were watching Kane's Arcade. You remember that video? Oh yes, Kane's Arcade. And, uh, you know, talk about being prepared to serve people who you aren't ready for. I mean, that kid went from zero customers to uh, <laughs> they had a thousand people there. Yeah, that's insane. But that's a great video to check out, everybody. It's uh, this young person had to go to his, had to be with his dad during work because they had nowhere else to go on the weekends. And so he started using the boxes from the business and making his like reenactments of arcade games. And it was super elaborate, uh, but nobody came by because it's an auto parts store. I think it was in East LA and there's no foot traffic. Nobody knows. And uh, some guy went in to get a part for his car one day and saw what this kid was doing and created this whole big Facebook push to, I think it was Facebook, uh, to get people to show up. And they had news there. They had like uh, hundreds of people chanting, we want to play, we want to, and uh it's a very inspiring video. My uh, my youngest, who's 10 now, said after he, he knew they were going to watch it. He's like, oh my gosh, every time I see this, it really makes me want to create and make. So it's a, it's a really inspirational and fun video, but it definitely goes from that uh, no customers to more than you can handle in an instant. So, so going online this year. Um, oh, I was going to go back to my favorite business. Oh yeah, let's go back to your favorite business. <laughs> that was quite the tangent. Yeah, my favorite business with coloring calendars because it appealed to everybody. It was a useful product. It wasn't just like a tchotchke that you just stick there and it stays. It was appealing to different ages. It had an interactive component, but it wasn't food, so it wasn't just gone. What it was was a calendar that had complete dates and everything with different holidays on it and such, like a normal calendar. But I drew pictures for it that you could color in yourself. So instead of like a national parks calendar where there's big sweeping mountains and interesting river pictures on the top of the calendar where it says the date, it is actually a themed coloring page that I drew myself. I'd say that was my favorite business. I borrowed the school's equipment for printing and binding at a price, of course. Um, and those were some of the most elaborate spreadsheets that really fun. Yeah, so you, you played into yeah. what at the time was a really big... Zentangle. Yeah, I don't know if I'd call it a... Eh, I was thinking more about adult coloring books. Oh, yeah, adult coloring books. Those were big, yeah. And uh, this this reminded me of that. And I, I was sort of like, I was pushing you to make PDFs and sell them on like Etsy or something. I was uh, so impressed with what you made. Well, thanks. Those are not my best drawings anymore. <laughs> but uh, so as we're moving online... Right. Yeah. So COVID has us doing that. We're um, we haven't made this announcement generally, right? So you're mm-hmm. kind of getting the, the sneak peek. Wahoo! Um, I like sneaky peekies. I uh, we're gonna do it online over a period of three days. Um, day one is gonna be like vendor being able to shop each other's, uh, kind of like what we used to do, where you could. Go oh yeah, yeah. Pre-orders. So, so you, it'd be like what 
what in technology or restaurants, they call a soft launch, right? So we're not going to go big. It's going to just be for the people who are uh, vendors. Uh, then Friday night, we'll do kind of a live ceremony so that we found this really cool software called hopin.to. So hop into. It, it basically runs an online conference site. And so you can have exhibition booths, which is what the marketplace will be. You can have a live stage. You can have small sessions. Um, lots of really great stuff. So uh, you go, you log into that. Uh, there'll be times when like each vendor will be quote unquote at their booth live. You can ask some questions. Um, there'll be a link that you can then click on to go and buy their stuff. Um, so we're going to use Wix as the site. And so I think we're going to end up with probably even more vendors than we had last year. So probably around 80 to 90 vendors. Um, and I think we could get as many as 2000 people to come through virtually, of course. And like, we're finding all kinds of neat ways of making, highlighting the different businesses, um, giving sponsors a chance to come in and talk about uh, entrepreneurship and youth and uh, how important it is, and just giving people a chance to support young people starting businesses and building an entrepreneurial mindset. I'm, I'm really excited about what we're going to be able to offer. Uh, but I think from a vendor standpoint, not being in person definitely changes things. What do you think would be different of running an online business than running a booth at the business fair? Okay. Well, first of all, they don't come into a room and then you get them to come to you because that was my main tactic. I would stand there and I would like make eye contact with people, wave at people. If they got close enough, I would scream my business pitch at them as fast as I could. I mean, not literally, of course, but I would try to get them interested and also, again, my businesses rely a lot on presentation. That was what I made the fancy arch for. I will not be making a fancy arch on anything but my website because if I did it in person, I think that number one, you would not be able to see the arch. Number two, it would be too far away for you to hear me. So I'd probably have to do some fancy microphone setup or something of the kind. And I don't know, I'm just kind of nervous because I think that it's kind of hard to make your business name stand out because if it's going to be like a series of breakout rooms and you decide to join one, then if you call your business something, not everybody's going to get for every business. They're going to go to whoever their kids' friends are, right? Something that the kids recommend when they come home. They're like, oh my God, I don't know. Can I use you as an example? Sure. Rob's business is so cool. You should totally check that out, mom and dad. I know, right? <laughs> um, Rob's friend, um, I heard it from him that his, this other kid is selling these really cool bookmarks. You should go check those out. And poor whoever else is left behind because those kids' parents aren't going to look at any of the other businesses potentially because they don't have all night and neither do the kids. So I think that there's just going to be new advertising tactics, I would say. And I would recommend not making your business title just clickbait because I feel like that would be one of the more effective solutions on the thing if you just see the name of the business, but that just seems like a silly alternative. And I think I'll need to learn more and to be able to take a good stance on whatever this is or whatever this is going to be. Yeah, I think the name is certainly going to be more important than it has been in the past uh, as you're trying to differentiate. And I think that's part of our job as the people putting on the business fair is making sure that every business has a way to be highlighted. And that's why we're doing it over three days instead of a couple hours too. And, uh, you know, to 
kind of chunk up the businesses, give each of them kind of a spotlight moment over the weekend. And I also think, you know, it's one thing to be able to, like, you obviously did a lot of pre-orders. You did uh, kind of what in the old world would be called direct mail type pieces and get the word out of what you're doing. Now, I think that much more available to everybody, right? So friends and family across the world can come and be part of this. It doesn't just have to be the people who can drive to wherever we're putting the business fair on. So I think we can end up with a a lot more people showing up. And then the question is, how do we keep them engaged? And how do we get them to visit as many businesses as possible? Yeah, um, when I did pre-orders, it wasn't just people in the surrounding area who could come. Um, Some people came and picked up their pre-orders there, but I would say that the vast majority, maybe 90% of the people who pre-ordered lived out of town or maybe even out of country, or they didn't have the time or a way to get to the actual business fair. So I did shipping. But if you can find a way to network and ship and also charge enough for shipping, the U.S. Postal Service is mean and do not underestimate them. So make sure that you charge enough for shipping because it will take away your time. And with the pandemic going on, you are basically risking something going into a public space that people use. Um, So if you're going into the post office to ship whatever your product is, then you're going to have to pay for the packages. You're going to have to pay for the shipping. You're going to potentially have to pay your parents for driving you there. Um, You... If you're just like taking your own transportation, you might have to pay um, the CTA or whatever else you're using, but I would not recommend that with the pandemic going on. I mean, nobody's on it anyway, but I, I'm not sure how well it's being cleaned. Yeah, so just don't underestimate shipping. No, fulfillment's definitely going to be a challenge, but on the CTA front, uh, we, def- we have a, some of the guides who are taking public transport to and from school and they're reporting that over time, things have gotten a lot better. They're, people are using it. They're wearing their mask. Um, CTA cleans the stuff a whole lot. I'm hoping as we continue to well, move through this. Well, that's good to know. Yeah, right? I'm hoping as we continue to move through this, more science comes out and we get smarter and smarter about how we're doing things and finding out more things that we can do rather than feeling like we can't do anything. But the, the shipping, the fulfillment is going to be a big piece of it. And one of the things we're thinking about is as someone who buys something at the business fair, you also purchase shipping separately. So you can buy from like 10 different businesses, but only pay for shipping once. And then people can drop off the stuff that they sold that needs to be shipped or picked up at the school. And then we'll figure out a way to box it up and ship it out to everybody. Okay. Well, I, yeah, I think that sounds, I think that sounds really good from maybe a website or a school standpoint, but as a vendor, I'm getting scared um, because I like to be able to be in charge of my own shipping and make sure that I know where it's going. So if I like get a random thing from the school saying this buyer would like to ship it to this address, can you please drop off the product that you work so hard on and potentially have it lost in the mail and it's not your fault? (laughs) Um, (laughs) No, thank you. So I'll probably either have to get used to that or maybe do something else or just ship it separately. Is the school getting paid for shipping or are you getting paid a piece of that? And also, is the shipping money going to you or is it split across how many people you order from? Because that sounds really nice for the buyer, but really not nice for me. Uh, The shipping cost would be enough to cover packaging materials and 
the cost of shipping. It would not be a profit center. You know, when you think about some of the like five and six year olds or seven year olds and the stuff that they make, they make really cute, like amazing stuff that they sell for two dollars or a dollar. That would yeah. call, that would cost ten dollars to ship. Um, and so I don't yeah. want their sales to go down, and I don't want the people who are coming and buying to end up having to pay two hundred dollars in shipping uh, for you know a hundred dollars worth of goods. So I mean, yeah, out, obviously not. Yeah, we're trying to figure out what we can do to to minimize that impact. But I would say that if you can put similar things inside of a box or things that can fit together in a box, then that's a good way to cut down on shipping costs, even though it doesn't raise the weight of the package. I can't talk today. That is not good for a podcast. (laughs) Yeah, no, you're right. The being able to consolidate it and ship it off as one is the thing that we're focusing on. Have you have you put much thought into what type of business you want to do this year? Well, I've been thinking about it and I think that I would like to do something with online art or scanning in some of my artwork for something. Or maybe making, um, I don't know, I could always make another calendar. Uh, it's time to move beyond the calendars. Come on. Hey, hey, <laughs> I added bookmarks last year. It's different, okay? <laughs> Someone's resting on their laurels. Look, the spreadsheets worked well. The gross margin was high. It was fun, sort of. <laughs> I made me super stressed, so stressed that I had to... <laughs> I was taking a um, tour of Lincoln Park High School before COVID, and it was business fair. It was the day before business fair, and I was so stressed that I couldn't focus on anything. <laughs> so I had to go. So you, you bring up something that I think a lot of people be like, Rob, like, why are you having seven-year-olds start businesses and for real money, and they could lose money? Like, you're, you're just stressing them out for no good reason. Because it's fun and there's spreadsheets. <laughs> Come join the party. I, you know, now that we've gone in, we're taking in outside uh, people who can come in, you know, I think ages five to 15, who can come in and do their business. Like someone who's on the fence and nervous about doing it, what advice would you give them? Okay. Well, number one, being able to start and run a business or really to create anything and sell it to people is a great skill to have. I know some people who are adults and cannot do that well. And to think that there are seven-year-olds or people even younger or people your age who can do this and do it well is really inspiring to see. And that's what the business fair is all about. It's about learning how to create a business. And part of learning sometimes is failing. And even though I personally have never had a very big failure in terms of business, it's mostly because I've gotten help from other people. And that's what Greenfield is for. So, and also, if you do fail, there's something to fall back on because this is meant for kids to get the experience. It's not for kids to compete in some kind of weird fight to the death scenario where whoever has the best spreadsheet or the highest gross margin or the best product wins. Of course, there are awards for that, but you don't need to worry about the awards to have a good time. Yeah, I'm really excited to see how this year comes and that whole idea of just give it a shot, see what happens, and then learn how to like minimize risk or understand what risk is. We had one student last year, one Griffin, who wanted to take no risk, right? Didn't want to put out any money. And I think their total sales were $12. Um, which covered their $10 of expenses. So they <laughs> Congratulations! <laughs> right? They were super happy. Um, but Aviva, you have 
run some pretty successful businesses uh, and you generally have a dollar amount that you're targeting that you want to be able to, uh, to make, and you know the difference between what you make versus what you bring in, right? So one of the main lessons is that revenue does not equal profit. No, no way. But um, what uh, do you have a dollar amount that you're looking at trying for this year? Hmm. Well, I think I got a little too ambitious last year, and I don't know if I'll be able to top it. But I, hmm, I have to figure out what my business is before I decide how far I'm going to shoot for. Um, but I can try and give um, my basic like revenue and dollar amounts that I got for years previous, maybe. Yeah. What's a, what was your best year? Last year, where I think that I. Hmm. I think my revenue was around $1,400 and I kept like high 900s. That's pretty amazing. It was the bookmarks that did. And I'm telling you, it's different. It's different. (laughs) (laughs) So one of the challenges as guides that we have is, you know, you run a successful business and why wouldn't you do it again? And outside of the business fair, certainly that's what you would do, right? That's what businesses aim to do is how can I create a product stream that is going to be consistent and dependable and make money for me. And from a educator standpoint, from a guide standpoint, like what more can you do, right? How can you do this bigger? Cause it's the only, I mean, you can say passion project we do every year, but I think that's wildly different. Like this is the one project that we do over and over every year. And so the push to like go different, go bigger, go smaller, uh, really push yourself to see what else you can do and what more you can learn out of it. And so it's a, sometimes it's a challenge where it's like, Aviva, okay, you did this last year. What are you going to do different? She's like, bookmarks, bookmarks. <laughs> <laughs> that is totally what I did. <laughs> and uh, so I am excited to, to not only see what you come up with, but to hopefully be one of your customers again. Um, I think uh, the business fair is one of the greatest things that we do. I'm really excited about what it's going to be. Uh, if uh, you are listening and you want to have you, if you want to participate uh, or if you're an adult and want your child to participate or know a young person who would like to participate, go to Chicago business, uh, Chicago children's business fair.com, Chicago children's business fair.com and uh, register there uh, as long as there's still some spots left. But um. It's going to be a great event. Uh, anyway, we're looking at uh, November 12th, I think it is, uh, or November 13th, right in there as the kind of kickoff. I know you're not supposed to talk about dates on podcasts, but here we have it. Um, really excited about the business fair and all the things that you learn. Aviva, do you think you're going to end up being an entrepreneur when you grow up? I'm a nerd, and I think that one day I will end up working in a museum. If COVID is over, I will go back to working in a museum. Yeah. And so I think for some people that that begs the question of, you know, why should you start all these businesses um, and learn how to do it if it's not something that you're actually interested in doing in the long run? What do you, what do you think you're getting out of it? Well, I mean, it's the same argument as like learning how to read the classics. It's, you might not grow up to be a librarian, but it can still teach you valuable lessons. Like you might not grow up to start and run a business, but learning how to evaluate risk and learning how to use certain parts of math to figure out how successful you're going to be, figure out how to create a product that people will enjoy, figuring out how to 
pitch something successfully to people so that they'll actually be interested, learning how to present yourself well, public speaking. There's a whole lot of things you can learn from doing the business fair. And you may not grow up to start and run a business, but it's going to be fun. (laughs) And there's spreadsheets and there's bookmarks. If only you could put bookmarks in the spreadsheet. I did. (laughs) You're forgetting that I have a bookmark spreadsheet. I think I, you know, you you said it very well. And I, uh, it's been such a great part of my life uh, watching you grow and develop into the person that you are today. And I look forward to seeing that continue. And I definitely look forward to seeing the business that you come up with. Thanks. Right. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for joining us, Aviva. And uh, we will uh, we'll probably uh, have you back after the business first. See how it went. I don't know. I've been thinking during this discussion about what I can do, especially since it's in, on, in an online format. And I think I want to stick with the thing of doing art that I can sell over and over again, kind of like the calendars. So I might do digital art, like backgrounds for your phone and tablet and like wallpaper and things. Or like Zoom um, backgrounds. I'm sure or Zoom backgrounds. Yeah. I could probably do some funny ones where you can like have a mustache or something. <laughs> or a hat on top of your head if you sit in the correct position. I don't know. Can't give it all away here. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's the suspense. Uh, thanks, thanks for being on Education is Life. And everybody else, uh, we look forward to having you back next time. Thanks for joining us. If you enjoyed what you heard, please subscribe and tune in next time for a fresh new episode of Education is Life.